Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another week of the Ninth State Sports Show Lacrosse Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina, and joining me again is Dairyfield AD and boys lacrosse coach Chris Hetler. Chris, how are you tonight? Good, Joe. Happy Happy St. Patrick's Day, or for the listeners, happy day after St. Patrick's Day. Or at least we hope we hope it is for you. We hope you're awake and uh, and, and ready to go today. Well, every every um, yeah, I hope uh, yeah everybody's should be uh, back and doing what they're doing now. You know, it's. Uh, Having a, a, having a, a holiday on a Wednesday, feel, yeah, yeah, is yeah, a little different feel. In years past, we might have been uh, we might have been across the street from uh, Peddler's daughter today, having <laughs> having a good time. Yeah, but uh, times have changed. Yeah, so. these are this is uh, the podcast in uh, the the new normal, or if we have we even hit the new normal yet? Um, well, I'm hoping I'm hoping we're going back to more of an old normal soon. Right? <laughs> things, things are getting you know things are things are getting played here. Spring sports are coming. I got my, uh, I got as a teacher, I got my vac- my first vaccine lined up for Monday, so I'm, get, I'm getting All excited. Right. Things are things are starting to feel good around here. All right. Um, well, uh, this season uh, we will be posting the podcast at nh-highschoolsports.com on Thursday mornings. Uh, so put a reminder in your calendar if you haven't already. And as always, you can send us your questions and feedback by shooting an email to nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at nhhsports. Uh, also, want to mention that um, once again we'll be doing a special lacrosse membership uh, for anyone that's interested in keeping up with our coverage on the site this year. Uh, there'll be actually two memberships: uh, one that includes just uh, stories that are on the site, if that's all you're interested in, or there's another one that will include uh, you'll, you'll not only have access to the site, but you also get a copy of our lacrosse preview and lacrosse yearbook. Uh, so you can go to the site uh, nh-highschoolsports.com. Up at the top of the page, there's a membership tab you can click on that and uh, give you more information on that and also uh, new this spring uh, we're looking to get sponsors for the podcast it isn't much but there are some costs involved with putting the show together every week uh, and we'd like to be able to continue doing it not just with lacrosse but also with football if you're a fan of the show or know someone who would uh, like to promote their business on the show uh, please get in touch with us at nh-highschool or excuse me nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com uh, and, of course, that's not just limited to the podcast. We're also looking for sponsors uh, for other things on, on nh-highschoolsports.com. So um, any help uh, with our coverage uh, would, be, uh, would be greatly appreciated. Uh, well, on that note, uh, let's jump into uh, what we were going to talk about this week. I, I, I wanted to start off, though, with, um, you know, last week we, we discussed a little bit about kind of uh, looking back a year ago on uh, what was going on, uh, of course, with cancellations and, and postponements and, you know, schools going remote and everything uh, at the start of the pandemic. And um, I think, uh, Chris, at times I mentioned to you over the last year, uh, there's a part of me that keeps, you know, waking up and, and almost like uh, just randomly kind of expecting, well, at some point we're just going to flash back to March of 2020 and, and everything's going to go back to normal. Like that, almost like we're in like a some kind of alternate reality here and uh and you know someone's gonna get in the delorean and go back to you know whatever year and and and, f- and fix all this and uh you want me you want me to snap my fingers joe <laughs> do a little, little fan out little sure fan sure right yeah show me uh, f- find uh, out let's find that we need the sports <laughs> almanac and we need to go back to 1950 <laughs> 55 and, and uh all that but so along those lines though like um of course this past sunday uh was the end of the basketball season uh, of course, was covering a lot of basketball games this this winter, uh, especially in the last couple weeks. And uh, I left that last championship game, and um, you know, daylight savings. So I'm walking to my car. It's still sun's still out. Uh, I think it was like quarter of seven at that point. Uh, great, great feeling. Uh, and and I I 
unexpectedly felt a little bit of closure, um, I think, walking to my car. Um, just, you know, having a basketball season finished just felt different. And, and I have a, a feeling that maybe I'm going to feel a little bit more of it once this spring gets played. I, I totally agree, Joe. I, we walked out of uh, our, our, our boys were in the, uh, the hockey state finals and uh, unfortunately it didn't, it didn't go our way, but still it was uh, it was an amazing feeling to make it through when God, I, I, I remember it was as close to November and we still didn't know if we were even going to play hockey this year. And the fact that, you know, I, I'm so proud of my kids to make it, you know, with all they had to deal with to make it to the finals, there was, there was a sense of closure there. It wasn't the closure that we wanted, but like we got the season in and then, um, you know, the kids are just so thankful for stuff. We've been doing skills and drills and a whole bunch of the kids that played hockey for me are out on the turf. And it, it's almost like all the cares and stress just melts away. Like that the sun's been out, you've been out running around and, you know, even though you got a mask on, like you can't help but see the smiles and the joy on the kids' faces. You can't hide it with a mask. Like it's it's just been so you appreciate things so much more when when they've been. You know, it sounds cliche, but you do until it's been taken away from you. You don't appreciate it as much. And and uh, I know my guy. I'm really excited, and my guys are really excited to be out there. So I think I could ask him to do anything right now. Go <laughs> run wind sprints for an hour. And yeah. Do it. Well, I mean, that's probably not a bad idea. Get him. Get the conditioning <laughs> in now. Um, Absolutely. You know, it, yeah, it it um, you're right. The 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 different uh, feeling. There was definitely a different feeling to to these basketball playoffs. I did mo- You know, I did all basketball coverage. I'm sure hockey went the same way. That it felt, you know, like like almost getting back on a bike, but just maybe it's a bigger bike or a different bike than what you were used to. Um, it definitely had that feel. Doing the basketball, obviously, not being at the the big college uh, sites makes a difference. Um, but you know, it was, it was a lot of fun seeing, you know, the kids react, um, win or lose, you know, just the normal sights that, that you're used to seeing. Uh, and the other thing that caught me too, and it, and I hadn't thought of this until after, um, you know, covering semifinals, uh, I forgot how tough that is. Um, you know, going and doing two games, you finish up at like, I don't know, eight thirty, nine 9 o'clock at night. Um, you know, for me, uh, the D1 boys semis were at Oyster River. That's about an hour drive for me, so I'm you know I'm not getting home until about ten o'clock, um, which has definitely not been. I don't know when the last time that was that I you know was getting home that late from something. Uh, so yeah, that was just that was just a weird feeling because I don't think I've done that. Um, I mean, probably since the fall of of 2019. It, it's been a while, man. It's been a while. And it was, uh, you know, I had the same feeling, you know, the hockey game, uh, the, the, the finals there were at seven thirty at night and it was, I didn't even care. It was, it was a late, it was almost 10, 10 30 by the time I got home, but it was, uh, it felt so good just to be back. Like you said, uh, win or lose, it was great to see the emotion of sport being played again. And obviously I don't want to see, I didn't want to see my kids lose and, and didn't want to see that part of it, but just, uh, it, it was nice to see, real trophies being handed out again, medals being handed out, and, and you didn't have the, the coat. You know, the NHI did everything they could last spring. They were in a no-win situation. But, uh, you know, to be able to actually crown a champion this year with, with the uh, all the obstacles that these kids had to overcome was, it was pretty neat. It was pretty cool to be a part of. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't second-guess at all what, what happened last spring um, just because we didn't know what was, what was going on. We didn't know a lot of things. Um, you know, but I'm definitely looking forward to, to what's to come, and I'm I'm interested to see how we handle the spring season overall. You know, given uh, that we're going back outside, um, you know, as as you said, vaccines are are 
uh, coming out uh, faster and faster. It feels like, um, you know, and and that I guess kind of uh, let's let's maybe use that to transition into our uh, what's become our our weekly college feature here. Uh, we take a look at some of. Uh, the New Hampshire athletes that are making some noise at the college level. Uh, of course, they're feels like they're well into their seasons at this point. It's been a little more than a month, I think, uh, maybe even six weeks since the start of college lacrosse for some teams, and uh, and of course, a couple other other teams are, are still just getting started, right? Yeah, and you know what still amazes me, Joe, is we, how we've come to start handling COVID and these delays and different things because each week, I mean, it's disappointing. There's there were marquee games last week that were that were not played last week, but the majority of the games are going off and they, and they are playing. Um, and we've got a lot of local, as we've talked about the last couple of weeks, we've got a lot of local guys playing. Uh, we've been focusing a lot on the Division One level. You know, um, I know there are kids out there playing at the D two and D three level, and as <laughs> as in tune as I am with a lot of our our player our former players. You know, again, if there are people out there that we should be watching and covering and, and reporting on, I would love to get those out. So. Again, feedback to the program. If if there are people we're missing, we please let us know. We'd love Absolutely. to follow them and, yep. and get them the uh, the recognition that they deserve. But Joe, I want to talk about um, you know a team with a little bit of a later start. UMass. Uh, mm-hmm. They played Fairfield yep. this weekend. They had a they had a thirteen nine win. And we had two former uh, two former standout stars of in the NHIA, uh, Charlie O'Brien of, of Bishop Girton and uh, Dylan Arant from from Merrimack Valley. Both got on the in a big way they got charlie got a goal and, and dylan got two goals and, and umass's win there do you remember do you remember how dominant the two of those guys were when they played i didn't see too much of, of merrimack valley but yeah for bishop girton i definitely yeah i definitely remember charlie um you know and they i i i they i remember him um in that class specifically that was um i'm trying to remember who else was in that class now because we're going back probably what four or five years i think um tim hein- heinrichs was in that class i believe uh, at BG, and they, you know, they had that, uh, they were put in kind of a tough situation, I think, as juniors, where maybe like a dozen kids graduated in front of them, um, and that junior year, they had to grow up really quick, and I remember them coming back as seniors and winning uh, the division that year, I want to say it was 2016. Charlie and, was almost, yeah, he was almost unstoppable was. going down, he was almost unstoppable going down the alley, I mean, he just, he he was, uh, he was a pretty dominant force at that time, and uh you know, Dylan. Dylan was the same thing. Dylan ended up doing a, a PG year up up at Brewster and left left a year, might even been two years early from Merrimack Valley. But at the time, he he was one of the more dominant uh, attackmen in, in Division Two, and and capable of taking over a huge huge shot. Um, you know, from the wing on on attack, and uh, you know, just a, a really good player, and uh, was part of that group at Merrimack Valley that that came up from the Blue Storm and and, and put uh, you know Merrimack Valley squarely back on the map again as a as a power in Division Two. Um, so it was great to see those guys, you know, contribute to to UMass's win. Uh, you know, a team that we've talked a little bit about tons of, you know, we tend to focus more on the goal scores, but there are a ton of both offensive and defensive players playing for UMass Lowell right now. Um, they had a nice win this weekend. Uh, Henry Vogt picked up another win in net. Uh, Dakota Clark had a goal. Brett Dottillo was facing off for them. So, you know, a bunch of guys playing at UMass Lowell. Um, you know, you mentioned Tim, Tim Hendricks there. He had an assist in Providence's win over Marquette. Um, and then, you know, we've covered Merrimack a lot. They had a win over Wagner this weekend. Drew Haley had a goal. And then a, a blast from the past year, a name you might remember, Mike Penna. You remember Mike Penna? Yeah, absolutely. Mike Penna from Exeter there. He had a, he had a 
crafty, quick little shifty attackman there. He had a goal and assist, and, and Canisius is uh, – they ended up dropping one to Manhattan, but he's been he's been getting some significant playing time there. They lost 10-7, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's great. So, again, ton of ton of guys playing at the Division One level, recent grads, and uh, really again, helping to put New Hampshire on the map. So, um, pretty cool. Yeah, great great to see that. We got to – you know, I, I feel like um... – you know, there there's a, a, definitely a ton of, of uh, New Hampshire products on the women's side as well, uh, but it doesn't seem like as many of them are getting, uh, you know, playing time as much playing time as on the on the on the men's side, and uh, some of their their teams maybe aren't as, as strong at this point, or maybe you know some of them too. I don't think are, um, you know, are, are they running into more postponements like you were mentioning? Maybe just their seasons haven't really started yet. Uh, but the, you know, the the one that I kind of uh, jumped out at me their their record quite isn't as as strong but uh the merrimack women's program um you know they've got uh quite a few new hampshire players on there and uh, actually their three top goal scorers are all from the granite state uh you know you've got megan dezalo from winnicott who uh, actually leads merrimack with 14 goals and she just had uh five goals uh wednesday in uh, their loss to holy cross uh you've also got uh haley bartlett who uh who went to prep school up here in New, up in New Hampton. Um, she's second on the team with nine goals. And then uh, Taylor Darrell from Bo uh, is third with six goals. Uh, and Merrimack also has uh, former Nashua South player uh, Kirsten McIntyre, who actually saw her first uh, collegiate action uh, in that loss on, on Wednesday. So that's uh, great to see her get out there. Then another, another um, New England team that has uh, quite a few New Hampshire products on it, uh, Central Connecticut. Um, you know they uh, they lost their last game eleven to five to LIU, um, and in that one, uh, former Manchester Central uh, player uh, Caitlin Parker she had two goals uh, and has three so far this season. She's also uh, joined on that team by uh, Jillian Schwab, who's from Pelham. Uh, she's got a goal on the season, and uh, Michaela Hutchinson from Merrimack. Both of them have gotten into a, a couple of games this year, and then uh, another uh, New Hampshire girl on that team uh lily sheridan from conval i don't think she's played yet this year uh but she's also a member of the central connecticut uh, squad and then uh, we mentioned her last week uh but uh former merrimack goalie bella beaton at sacred heart uh, she got another start this past week uh stopped eight out of 16 shots uh unfortunately sacred heart came up a little short nine seven to st francis uh, it looks like she's um you know taken over that spot as the uh the starting goalie for for sacred heart and then uh Lauren Laskowskis from Pinkerton uh, saw her first action of the year this past weekend in uh, Georgetown's uh, 17-14 loss to Towson. Uh, that was this past Saturday. Joe, I thought you were telling me there weren't any girls playing right now. That's unbelievable. <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's, it's, that's a great list right there. That's uh, that's a rundown. That's a who's who of, of former uh, NHIA standouts there in New Hampshire. That's that's great. It's uh, that's fantastic. Covering a that. covering a couple of years too. There, I mean, we're not just talking. Um, I know with I know with the guys I feel like there's a lot of freshmen that are are making a lot of noise um, so far this spring. But this is a couple freshmen, I think some upperclassmen. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, nice mix there. And of course, um, you know, what, what you look at this year's uh, the 2021 class, and I feel like there's, you know, we might double the number of of uh, you know players on the on women's programs uh, when we're doing this next year with with the number well, of kids it, that are committed. Yeah, it coincides with this is you know it's one of our um, one of our first full classes of, of New Hampshire Tomahawks on the girls side coming through and, and a lot of them have worked really hard and, and we are we're going to put out a uh, 
a really good class this year. Uh, and, the, and the classes before them have been pretty strong too. So I think you're going to see more and more, not that that list wasn't impressive enough already. Uh, I think you're going to see more and more of those girls uh, popping up in box scores pretty quickly here. But, uh, you know, as, as you said with Merrimack, they, they've got a lot of local girls already. If you want to find success, what do they say, right? You got to keep the good talent home within, within your region, right? And, um, you know, transitioning back to the boys' side a little bit, um, you know, looking at Billy Constantino up in, up in St. Joe's, I mean, that was a program that was kind of dead in the water. And he's done an amazing job of not only bringing in numbers, but keeping local talent around from home. Uh, they're 2-0 and on the season right now. They, they beat Maine Maritime 18-7. And they got uh, they just beat Southern Maine today, 17-8. The box score is littered with former with former standout stars from from the New Hampshire area here. And uh, you know, I'm especially excited this weekend on Saturday. We we had mentioned the NESCAC was uh, was back in action. They're gonna be hosting Bates. So my buddy Alex Neville is gonna get a chance to get back on the field there. So I'm excited for him and uh, excited for St. Joe's to see them challenge themselves like that. So uh, you know that that's a success story up there. If you're looking for a who's who, check out the check out the uh, the St. Joe's uh, main uh, roster right now. Just a ton of guys. He's done really good work up there. Yeah, speaking of along those lines too, um, team that I didn't mention, um, the UNH women's team is in the in the same. They've got at least a half dozen uh, New Hampshire girls on that on that team, and uh, they unfortunately had their most recent game. Actually, it was supposed to be on Wednesday uh, against Boston College, was postponed. Um, you know they're off to a, a little bit of a tougher start. Uh, one and three lost their their last three there, um, but that's another program that uh, and you, like you said, keeping keeping the talent at home. Well, I not mean, only not only the playing talent, but we had mentioned that Callie Santos had just accepted a position up right. there as a coach, and so they're keeping coaching talent local here too. Home, so it's a good good things to come for that program as well. Um, but I wanted to, I wanted to also transition. We we spent a lot of time on Division One. Uh, on the Division Two side, we had some exciting news. We got the return of the NE10 this weekend. Uh, on the boys' side, it kind of kicks off locally here with a with it normally one of a, a marquee matchup within the division. We got Franklin Pierce hosting Snoo this weekend. We got the Penmen going into the Ravens' nest, walking into Ringe for their first game of the season here. Nobody nobody wants to go into Ringe into the Ravens' nest for the first game of the season here. But uh, a lot of cool a lot of cool storylines here. Have you? Have you gotten a chance to look at either one of their rosters, Joe? I had it. I had it snooze uh, earlier um, in the spring a few weeks ago. I mean, it's basically. I mean, it looks like a New Hampshire high school all-star team. It's Pinkerton North. Pinkerton North. Pinkerton Londonderry. It's. I mean, you can kind of say the same thing about Franklin Pierce. There are a lot of former state champions on both of these teams right now. So. Um, you know, the, uh, just real quickly, the, the McCormick brothers, Owen and Owen and Connor are both playing for Franklin Pierce. You got Connor Chaplin, who was a, a standout LSM for Goffstown playing, uh, in goal, you could have a huge, I, I, you know, again, I don't have this Intel, but I'm, I'm hearing maybe that former state champions, James Heitmiller and Alex Sturgis might be, might be facing off <laughs> against each other in net this weekend. I don't know for sure. Uh-huh. There's some very, there's some other talented, I mean, on both teams, uh, Nathan Taylor, who was a goalkeeper for Timberlane, he's on Franklin Pierce, and then Oscar Kozolanski, who was uh, um, a standout. You know, we played against him multiple times uh, for Portsmouth. There, he's he's in net for uh, for Southern New Hampshire as well. So all kinds of talent there for both teams. This is, um, you know, we're we're gonna have to uh, check in to see if they're letting um, they're letting any anybody in to watch any of these games because I feel like this is uh, maybe we have to take the podcast on the road one week for. Uh, you know, maybe another, you know, if there's another one of these local matchups like this coming up, just to 
to get that that take that in i mean because i i i mean seeing that many many guys uh you know that that we we used to talk about we used to see play here in, in the state continue on uh their careers like that i, I feel like that's something uh, we need to see firsthand that would be a road trip. I don't know if we can pull it off. It'd be uh, we got we got the eleven a.m. we got the eleven a.m. face off in Ringe, and I don't know. Can we get from Ringe to St. Joseph's, <laughs> Maine by four by four p.m.? I, that's a that's a tough ask, I think. That's, I think that be, yeah yeah that might be too tough. We might have to do we might have to do the hat. We might have to get a half in at Franklin Pierce, and then uh, I don't know. I don't know. If we leave leave Franklin Pierce by one. Can you get the? Can you get the? I bet you we could do it. I bet you we could pull it off. We might have to see. We might have to see what their spectator. Uh, policies are i mean i i feel like i could do that but i don't want to i don't know if that's something i really want to admit to uh to people <laughs> that i drive that way so uh well i guess i just kind of did i think i might have i think i might need to look at a map i'm not sure i know where st <laughs> joseph's Maine is so i might i might be off a little bit so <laughs> uh any uh, any other uh college notes uh before we uh take a, a little walk over to the the high school side uh, from my standpoint, no, I'm just all excited right. to see all these. I mean, I've, I've got a list sitting in front of me of, of no less than 30 guys, you know, between, between Franklin Pierce, Snoo, and then all the other, the D ones that we talked about. And it's just, it's so rewarding and cool to see all these players that, you know, we, we coached growing up and then, uh, you know, to see them go on to the, the college level there. I'm just hoping that some of these kids, uh, you know, are able to are able to find jobs and come back home again and, and continue to help us grow the game here. Um, that's I, I think that's the number one thing us as coaches need to continue to do is uh, create opportunities for these kids to come home and, and uh, you know, improve, uh, continue to improve the level of coaching around the state. You know, we need we need more guys in the town system. We need more guys at the high school level, guys and girls, um, you know, to do that. So, um, yeah. So. Well, I, I did want to to mention, um, you know, just hopping around uh, social media earlier today, um, happened to notice that uh, the U- U.S. Lacrosse Magazine has posted their um, started posting their top teams, uh, high school team rankings. Uh, they did a you know national top twenty five boys and girls, and then they break it down uh, by region uh, and do a top ten. Uh, of course, you know. New Hampshire is in the Northeast uh, top, you know, region here. Or at least I'm assuming it is. I don't know for sure because I look at the boys' top ten and the girls' top ten. There's no, the, it's pretty much New York and Connecticut in both of them. Well, um, we're definitely not. We're not in the South or the Midwest. So <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, um, and and you know, I'm 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 not saying I'm I don't have uh you know a big problem with this. Um, I'm was just I'm just a little surprised. I I thought that um. You know, and and you and I talked before we we started recording here, and we don't know how exactly they're putting this together. Um, you know, there's unfortunately not <laughs> there's no you know past season to go off of, so we're going off of two years ago, when uh, you know as we all know these seniors this year were sophomores, so there's probably a lot of kids we've never heard we I don't want to say never heard of, but um, you know that aren't as familiar names that are going to have great years this year. Uh, I would have expected you know maybe either the BG boys or, or girls to, to get a whiff of this top 10. And maybe they did, maybe they're just right outside of it. Uh, it doesn't really say here. So maybe I'm, maybe I think I'm... not having, not having a season last year kind of hurt and you kind of had to go by, you know, we were talking about this off air before we got on. And I think a little bit probably had to do is, you know, you're going to look at, you know, who is the, the class A, B and C, you know, titleists from, from New York and maybe the runners up, you know, Darianne's always a powerhouse in Connecticut, uh, the Brunswick school, you know, I, I, I'd be interested. I'm, I'm surprised they don't have, um, you know, a U.S. lacrosse, um, you know, prep 
you know, rankings there, you know, because traditional powerhouses like like Taft and uh, Deerfield and some of these schools, you know, I would have liked to see, you know, where do the lakes, where do they think the lakes region schools uh, match up in there too. So there's none, of, there's none of that right now, but yeah, there's definitely a New York bias to it. Eight out of the 10, eight out of the top 10 uh, teams are from New York and then two Connecticut, no Massachusetts. I mean, you don't have, you don't have a BC high, you don't have a, you don't have a Lincoln, Lincoln Sudbury in there. Um, you know, there, there's a ton of, ton of schools that you could have considered there, but, um, you know, you can't, I mean, looking at that list they have on there, you got St. Anthony's number one, Chaminade, Darien, Victor, Brunswick, Manhasset, Shoreham, Wading River, Massapequa, uh, Ward Melville and Garden City. I mean, you know, you can, you, you could make a case for, for teams outside that, but I, you can't really fault, um, them for putting those teams in there on the boys side. And then, uh, taking a quick look at the girls side. You know, the top 10, you got Manhasset, Garden City, Darien, Newport, Eastport, South Manor, St. Anthony's, Mount Sinai, uh, Bayport, Blue Point, Cold Springs Harbor, and Sacred Heart. So, again, you know, uh, traditional powerhouses on the girls' side as well there with a, with a real New York slant to it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, time will tell. I think that's the, that's the nice part. It, it, the one, you know, part of COVID that still hasn't gone away lack of the ability to play outside uh outside state team or uh out of state teams this year and that that really hurts teams like bg and pinkerton and exeter who were who were really looking um to challenge themselves a little bit i know uh bg i think at one time was hoping to play darianne and new canaan and i think cape elizabeth and they're trying some different things and it just doesn't look like it's going to be able to happen so it's it's disappointing i know pinkerton and, and exeter were also looking for the ability to kind of do that um which uh you know and i know we've we've enjoyed playing out of state in the past too um so you know, hopefully we get back to that by next year well we'll we'll know uh if this changes at all in a couple of weeks um it does say on here that that starting the last week of march they're going to start updating these uh weekly so uh plenty of opportunity for any of those uh any of those schools to uh maybe move up of course they're you know again like you said without being able to compare it to you know some of these uh, other other programs that they some you know would play out of state. It's tough to tough to maybe say, just uh, looking at it on paper. You know, I think you know mentioning you know some of the teams we mentioned there. You know, uh, an Exeter, a BG, a Pinkerton, and stuff like that. I think it's going to be hard. This year is going to be particularly hard for them to to break into that top twenty, top twenty five. Not because they don't have the talent, or not because they're good enough not to be there. They're just not going to have a comparison. You know, it's kind of be like. Uh, I don't know if you saw, you know, my alma mater in basketball there at Colgate, right? Are they, you know, I don't know if you saw that whole thing. Are they the eighth best team in the country or are they the 40, you know, there was, uh, there was, they weren't able to play outside the Patriot league, but they dominated in there. And then there, there's their rating for the NCAA tournament on, on some metrics where they, they, some people have them as the eighth best team in the country. <laughs> you know, so I, I think yeah. the, uh, the lack of teams in New Hampshire and, and the lack of, you know, super strong teams is going to hurt some of our uh, powerhouses from getting getting recognition that they should. And and they do have, you know, you, all you got to do, you, you mentioned it earlier, like on the girls side, right? Um, you know, if you look at BG, I mean, the number of girls they have going um, to the to the D1 level uh, is incredible. Yeah. You know? So we are well you know we, we talked about scheduling a little bit we are uh getting closer to seeing more and more of these uh schedules come together um i feel like a lot of division one has um has theirs worked out um you know some of the other some division two teams i think i've seen schedules for them how are you, are you you guys getting close to uh to having that uh that all put together 
Yeah, I know ours is ours is pretty much set. We're kind of waiting uh, to hear, you know, w- what teams are going to have JV teams, uh, you know, some start times and things like that. But we're pretty much, I think we're going to end up with like a 15, 16 game schedule, um, you know, which is uh, which is a normal year. But we also lost a year. Um, you know, things are a little bit more condensed. Um, so I think there'll be some challenges along the way in that respect. Uh, it's a balancing act too, you know, other than the, the, the bigger schools, you got a, in a short and condensed season, some of these kids that don't have the conditioning, you got to worry about injuries, you got to worry about COVID. Um, so I, I think there's a little bit of, you know, you got to, you got to manage your team, you got to, you got to workload your team, you know, and make sure that they're uh, healthy at the end of the season coming in there. Because again, none of the, none of these games, unfortunately, really, really mean a whole lot. They mean a lot to the kids and the coaches that get to play them but they're not going to affect the standings. It's, it's going to be, so you could get a really easy draw or you could get a really hard draw. So you gotta be, you gotta be ready once the playoffs hit there. Um, But I I do think it's making for some interesting matchups that we haven't seen uh, in the past in terms of, you know, um, out of divisional games. We talked, uh, you know, we're, we're playing Hoppington this year. We're kind of, we're, we're very excited about that. We haven't played Hoppington in a long time and they've, they've won division three the last few years. Um, You know, we, we, uh, for the first time in, God, I don't think I've ever played him. We're playing Oyster River this year, and Oyster River's got a Ruppy's got a really good squad coming back. He's got a lot of his kids coming back, so um, excited about picking up that game. Um, you know, and then just the opportunity I saw uh, Pickerton, who normally wouldn't have much flexibility in playing teams out of there. I believe they've picked up Winnicott and Wyndham, uh, two teams that are expected to be very good in Division Two this year. Um, so, you know, it'll be kind of interesting. You know, can it can a can a Wyndham or Winnicott come up and, and show that they can play with the with the, the traditional powerhouses of Division One, so it'll be kind of that'll be a kind of neat I'm, thing to see this year. I'm, I'm pretty. By the way, I'm pretty sure you guys have played Oyster River. I I personally <laughs> I, have I, not. Played, I personally have not played Oyster River. I'm I'm pretty sure you played Oyster River <laughs> two years ago when we were gonna, when we were doing do the, the season. You're gonna do this. You're gonna do this to me on the air. Oh. I, I can't believe it. You might be right. You know what? You might be right. I think I'm trying to think now. You got me thinking. I may. We may have. We may have two years ago. We haven't played him a lot. How about haven't that? played him a lot. No, that was probably the only time. But no, I. I was like, I feel like I've been at a. a I've been at a Dairy Field Oyster River game. I, I, all right, I'll admit it. I have never. I, we have never played at Oyster River. And there we're you go. Okay. At Oyster River and okay. at Dairy Field this year. So. <laughs> Uh, and of, and of course, they're um, you know they add um, Newmarket to the to the mix too this year. They're they're they a did. co-op team, yep. uh, boys yep. and girls side. So that's um, that's pretty interesting too. That I'm curious to see how that. Um, I mean, obviously it'll help their numbers. Yeah, um, I think I think Ruppy I think Ruppy's excited that it'll bolster their numbers, allow them to do some things at practice they haven't been able to do, and maybe even maybe even be able to uh, to have a full JV squad. But regardless their their core coming back is is a really talented group i don't think they graduated anybody i think we had talked about this at the end of last year and um you know he's got a lot of guys playing indoor and and doing skill sessions and things so it's a it's a team it's an up-and-coming team in in division two for sure all right so we had talked a couple weeks ago um you know about uh you know with all the changes that have been going on with the with the pandemic and and things that are different these last couple years um you know, you got to assume that most of this is going to go away once COVID goes away. Um, but what is there anything anything that that is going on right now that you would like to see stick around? And I think the one thing we we both agreed on, and and based on some of the feedback we got, uh, other people felt the same way too. Was um, the regional schedule, uh, regional scheduling, uh, has been a lot of fun. I think for some places, you know, you're talking about you know people seeing teams that they don't normally, and and, and definitely one team. 
that um, is going to, you know, have a lot different of a schedule than the last couple of years, I think, is Dover, you know, because they're, I think they're in their maybe fourth or fifth year in Division One, uh, yep. and outside of Exeter on the Seacoast, everyone else out there is Division Two or Three. Uh, actually, I think just two um, on the boys' side, you know, so they don't get the opportunities to play as many of those teams um, as they used to when they were in Division Two. Uh, so this year, I think they're playing a lot of those those programs. Um, of course, th- you know, with the the way the NHIA has things set up, you have to play, you know, you have to play at least twelve games, and I think all of those twelve games have to be against teams in your division. Um, and then you're allowed to play as many as eighteen, so you got six games to kind of play with there. Uh, but you know, for yeah, for teams like Dover or um, you know, I think of um, I'm drawing a blank, or you know, back. Um, Hanover, of course, is now in D two, but they were in D one for, uh, for pretty much ever, I believe. Um, you know, they had to travel quite a bit to play a lot of these um, other D one schools, and weren't playing, you know, Lebanon, and some of the other schools that are up in that area. So I think I think that was something that that we kind of felt, you know, a lot, people like those regional games. Uh, and, and I mean, what is your kind of thought on that? Like you, um, of course, you guys being in in the middle of the state, it's maybe a little bit easier in a sense um but are those the kind of things that you like to see you like to see some of those matchups i i I think um i think we're in a tough i I do i think it's a cool thing for this year i think it's a tough thing for year to year with with um how small the state we are and how programs numbers and talent levels uh tend to fluctuate dramatically from year to year unless you're a school like a pinkerton a bg an exeter a londonberry things like that where you know, you have a pretty steady flow of, of talent on a year-to-year basis. Um, but I, I think that might speak to all the more reason why doing regional, regional things could be fun because there, there could be some unpredictability to it and, and some ability for teams to rise up from at different times and, and play for some different, uh, play for some different, I don't know, championships or trophies or, or whatever. I, I think it'd be, like, like we talked about, it'd be interesting to find a way to build in so that you could play you know, a regional group. And then maybe that's how you advance in the state, in the state, you have your, you play that, you know, four to six teams, that's your record for your, for seating purposes for the, for the state tournament. And then you're free to schedule whoever else you want. So that way years when like you have a really good team, you can schedule up and you can play, you can play teams that, you know, will challenge your kids. And then in years when you don't, you can, you can play other teams that, you know, might be better suited for you in that year. So I don't know. I've thought a lot about that, and I thought that could be kind of a cool thing. Where like we do look at a a regional um, a regional type of bracket for 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 the state tournament, you know. And I know you had been looking at like Kentucky basketball and other yep. other things yep. like that. Um, you know, I, I do think there's some merit to it, and it's it, it's something that we we could explore. But again, you know, we we've talked about it. It's it's small state problems. You know, I mean, we just at times we don't have the number of teams that other states do, and um, you know, like I said talent level and, and numbers uh swing dramatically from year to year sometimes well i have good i have good news for you because i figured it all out i, I, I love it, it <laughs> you're gonna post you're gonna post it tomorrow it's gonna be up there up there on the website tomorrow uh, about the same time that the podcast goes up so if you're listening to this you haven't seen it that i'm gonna throw a link to that story in the post with this podcast uh where you can go looking on the site for it uh and yeah as you mentioned and i think we might have talked about uh a couple weeks ago um, you know, my, my first experience, uh, working newspapers covering high school basketball or high school sports was in Kentucky and for basketball, they did, uh, I'll try to keep this short. They did a, um, 
they had one classing for every or one grouping for everybody. And within that, during the year, they would take some time out, and the small schools would play what they called an all-A tournament, where you know they they that was basically their state tournament for small schools. But then they'd also, at the end of the year, get to compete in the actual state tournament. Uh, you know, so what I was thinking was, I mean, you're you're right, New Hampshire, the way it's set up, it's almost like it's the opposite of that. Like we have our division breakdown. I think it works the way it is. Um, I'm in no way saying, oh, we just need to go to one big thing and and that's the way it should be but i think it would be interesting to kind of focus a little bit on like some kind of regional um play regional tournaments and like you said it, w- it gives you know maybe gives teams something a little extra to play for like when football was first switched to three divisions i really liked the idea of having those like conference championship games um but i really didn't like the way that it was included in the playoffs uh same w- same goes with kind of the regional play now i mean it's definitely led to some exciting games. You know, you look at, at D1 boys basketball, and you had, you know, the two finalists. You had BG playing South, North, and Alvern, you know, to get to the semifinals. And then you had Winnicunit playing Exeter and Portsmouth on the other side. Um, now, granted, you know, the fact that Winnicunit and Exeter had to play each other in that opening round uh, was probably a not right. I think those were two of the better teams in the division. Uh, so I don't think it should be necessarily used to determine kind of the playoff, um, like a Final Four, that kind of thing. But maybe, like, like what you were saying, you know, go to affect your seeding somehow. Um, you know, but what I have set up is basically just a breakdown of, um, you know, how you could fit it in within that window of the six extra games that you, you get uh, from the NHIAA. Um, you know, kind of assuming that, that programs, like we mentioned, BG and Pinkerton, liking to play their out-of-state games, they could opt out of this and go do that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'd recommend or I hope that everyone would go check it out. Maybe leave us some feedback on that, too. I'd like to hear what other people think. Um, you know, some of the some of the breakdowns might look a little different than you'd like them to. Certainly something we want to hear as well. But um, it was kind of a fun thing to put together. And, and, and as I mentioned in it, this is by no means something that is on anybody's table. This is something that... I, you know, I don't want to say I was bored or I had free time, but something fun that I wanted to put together and, and just kind of see how it came out. Yeah. I mean, I love some of your other ideas too. You know, you have, a, you have a gate, you have a gate city classic, you have a, a queen city cup, you've got, you know, um, you could do, you could do fun little, you could do fun little mini tournaments like that, as we talked about during like the vacation weeks and stuff. So there's a lot of merit to it. I'd, I'd encourage people to check it out and, uh, you know, do you say, sorry, Joe, did you say you were going to post that tomorrow? Yeah, it is going to go up tomorrow yeah. morning along with the podcast. Yep. Perfect. So. so, yeah, if anyone's listening to it right now, as, as soon as we're done, wait until we finish. We're, you know, we're almost done. <laughs> um, you know, go check it out. It is a little bit tough. You know, it was tough to, to put together. I mean, again, assuming that, that teams would want to opt out of it, that's kind of how it's based or how it's set up. Uh, and then you don't have an equal number of teams. Um, you know, there's 50 boys teams and 49 girls teams with the addition of uh, Hillsborough Deering this year, uh, having boys and girls varsity. Uh, so it's a little, there's one, I think there's one region that was unbalanced on the girls side, but. Uh, you know, as much as I might want to play in something like that and be involved in that, I would be open to, you know, maybe, maybe we say that, you know, prep, you know, the, the day schools of New Hampshire, Bishop Girton, Brady, Trinity Dairy Field, um, what did Saint, I just miss? St. Thomas. St. Thomas, right? We all we all just decide, you know what, those weeks, 
we're not involved in this, right? We're going to leave it to the, the New Hampshire uh, local public schools and they're going to do their regional rivalry games. And, you know, we go out, at, we, you know, we play teams from Maine or Vermont or, or Massachusetts during that time. I mean, that could be, that could be a solution yeah, to it as I well. Yeah, I like that. That's an interesting, kind of interesting thought too. Or maybe even um, some of you could play each a, other. A, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say maybe a, maybe a private, you know, a little prep school day school tournament at that point, that could be kind of neat too. Yeah. Yeah. All kinds of possibilities that uh, we can go on and on about, um, you know, if we want to. <laughs> creative, th- creative thinking during COVID. We said, you know, people coming up with solutions. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah, and and it's one of those things. It's like I I I mean I I was actually really thinking what other you know what there's got to be something that comes out of this that that we want to keep doing or and you know aside from you know the uh, hygiene tips that you've been using throughout you know washing your hands and all that. Um, you know, what else is there? And I, I really didn't, outside of the regional scheduling, I'm not, I'm not sure if there is anything else that, that people think of, um, definitely would love to hear it and, and consider it. I don't know if there, is there anything that you know of that you guys have, have had to do or, or are doing that you would like to see continue? Uh, I, you know, I, every spring, I, my number one worry is the flu, right? Cause I don't want kids sick before the play, before the playoffs. And I think some of the things, you know, I, when I first took over as basketball as, a, as, sorry, as AD during basketball season, I always thought it was like, so we provide water for everybody in cups and, and just forget the environmental impact of it. It's like, kind of like, wait a minute, why doesn't everyone just bring their own water bottle? Like, why do we, yeah. have, why are we <laughs> passing around cups and like touching the same thing? Like, you know, and then same thing during the spring, I used to get neurotic about it. I would take all of the water bottles after every practice, I'd bring them home, throw them in the, throw them in the dishwasher and bring them back clean every day. Cause I just, I didn't want to take a chance that my kids were going to get yeah, sick. Yeah. And it's like, now it's kind of like, it's almost become like just part of, you know, like, yeah, you know what? I have my own water bottle. I'm bringing my own water bottle to practice. Like, I don't know why that was ever not a thing before. And it's something I, I definitely think we should continue to, to keep over. Forget if we have a vaccine for COVID or not. Like, let's just, let's, let's try not to get sick during the season. Like <laughs> we do every year. Um, you know, and uh, I actually, you know, I, I'm not, crazy about masks but i'm gonna be honest with you i kind of enjoyed wearing it during the winter it kept me warm (laughs) yeah that is definitely true and i definitely have not i i have not been sick in over a year i I was just thinking the same thing yeah but uh you know those things but no i do want to get back to the point i mean it is difficult to play lacrosse with a mask on so i would like to see us all get back to the point where where we can get back to doing that uh without having to worry um you know, I, I think we we we're now putting. I just actually put in the work order for today. We've got we've got hand sanitizer going out to all the different fields, and it's it's not a bad practice to, you know, before and afterwards make sure that our you know you're washing your hands. And again, just cuts down on the chances of your team getting sick. Like I said before, that was honestly my number one worry most seasons because we're not a big school. And if you know three or four of my starters get sick and they're out for a little while, that's you know that's death to most programs. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, I would, you know, I'd love to see those kind of things. I, I'm definitely going to institute that's going on the equipment list from now on for uh, for the preseason packet. You got to have your own water bottle, own water bottle and man- maintain your hand hygiene. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Uh, any would, fun, would help to air out your pads every once in a while. Too. Come out of the, take them out of the would back. Be, yeah, take that, out of the back. that's much, much appreciated. There's nothing worse than that smell. <laughs> All right. Any other final thoughts before we uh, we wrap up for another week? 
Nope, we're getting closer, Joe. Practices yeah. start. Uh, you know, we get uh, March 29th official practices start. I'm seeing more and more. It's fun. I'm seeing on social media more and more of the my friends from from other schools are, are getting their kids out there on the turf or in the grass. I mean, most of the snow's gone, so uh, we're, we're we get the. I think we have the the coaches rules meeting coming up. Uh, I want to say on the 24th. Um, you know, so. It's always uh, always good to teach the coaches the rules. Um, <laughs> good to get that, that in before the season starts. Uh, but, you know, I, I and I don't want, you know, maybe um, I was going to say I don't want to get people too excited. But, yeah, maybe I do. Uh, you can get excited about this because I think next week, uh, next week is going to start our uh, division previews, too. Uh, we're going to start with Division One boys, uh, talk about what we uh, what we can expect Uh or try to come close to what we can expect uh, to see from uh, from Division One this year. So that's going to be coming I think up next you, week. I think you told me you were going, you were you were kind of going with a bold prediction, right? You were you were saying that Bishop Girton is not going to be the favorite, this year, right? <laughs> uh, are you sure I said that? I don't I don't know if I said that. I guess. Well, you know what? Everyone's going to have to listen next week to find out. All right, all right, Joe. Well, thanks again for yes. having me. It's, uh, it's it's a blast as usual. Even if you did embarrass me on air this week, it's okay. <laughs> He is Chris. Oh, I'm bring it on. Hey, COVID, oh, you, you COVID, brain. COVID, COVID brain. COVID brain. There you go. There we go. Yeah. Uh, he is uh, Dairyfield AD and boys lacrosse coach uh, Chris Hetler. I am Joe Margiolino. We'll talk to you next week.